like to have you turn to uh, Psalm 142. Psalm 142 is where we're going to start this morning. We're looking at the life of David. Psalm 142. We'll read the first three verses. Psalm 142. I cry aloud with my voice to the Lord. I make my supplication with my voice to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare my trouble before him. When my heart was overwhelmed within me, you knew my path. In the way where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Let's pray. Father, we just come into your presence and we pray as we look at the life of David again this morning that you would be teaching us about yourself. You'd be teaching uh, us about ourselves and about your working in our lives. And so we pray uh, that you, through your spirit, would uh, speak to our hearts because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking at the life of David. And uh, David is in God's school. And so God has some lessons that he wants David to learn. And, and the number one lesson he wants David to learn is the priority and sufficiency of God. We learn that at salvation. And, but that truth needs to constantly be brought up in our lives in a, in a fuller way. And so after anointing David as future king of Israel and bringing him to a place of prominence through the the death of Goliath, um, God placed David in his school to train and equip David for the job of being the king. And one of the ways he did that was to kick out all the crutches, to take everything away from David that he might depend on. And so he enjoyed Saul's favor, and we see that turn to jealousy. Jonathan, Saul's uh, son, was uh, became his best friend, but but there had to be distance between them. He was popular, but but now he can't trust people because the servants of Saul have turned against him. Others have betrayed him. He uh, he he goes to Samuel, but he recognizes long term safety is not with Samuel. Um, and. And so all of these things that he trusted in begin to to fall down. Even his plan to find safety in Gath brings David to the absolute end of his resources. And he had to learn this truth. God alone is enough to be my refuge and strength. And those two words and their synonyms occur a lot in David's Psalms. You'll find him talking about God, my refuge, God, my stronghold, God, my place of safety. You'll hear him talk uh, about God being the source of his strength. Um, Just a little review on our map. Um, David was up here in Gibeah of Saul. That's where Saul's headquarters was. He went to Nob where he got some bread and the sword of Goliath. He went over to Gath and uh, he stayed there, almost lost his life. Um, and then he comes this morning to the cave of Adullam, and we'll see him come over to Moab and, and back into this area, the forest of, of uh, Hereths. Um, but in Psalm, 
142, this psalm, you'll notice at the very beginning, it says, when he was in the cave. Uh, eventually, we'll go to 1 Samuel chapter 22, and it says, uh, in 1 Samuel 22, verse 1, it says, David left Gath, and he went to the cave of the Solom. Uh, the cave of Adullam was uh, about 15 miles from Bethlehem. David probably would have known about this cave. And so he comes up there, and, and there David is. He's, he's all alone. And you catch it here in verse 1. I cry aloud with my voice to the Lord. I make my supplication with my voice to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare my trouble before him. You catch his feelings of loneliness and of despair, the, the struggle he's going through. Uh, note the four descriptions. I cry aloud. There's no one else there. Have you ever been in a place where you've talked aloud to God because you're, you're struggling with something? There's nobody around, and so you just have to talk out loud to him? Now, that's where David is. He, he goes on, he says, I make my supplication with my voice. Supplication is literally, I ask for mercy. Sometimes you will see this referred to in commentaries as an importune prayer. Importune is to beg. He's begging God's help. He's alone. There's nobody with him. He's in this cave. There's nobody there with him. There's no one to help him. I pour out my complaint. David is, is laying it before the Lord. You anointed me king. What kind of a crazy program is this? I didn't sign up for this. Why am I going through this? He lays his complaint before God. And then it says, I declare my trouble before him. David begins to, to lay out all his troubles. You took this away from me. You took this away from me. You took this away from me. I almost lost my life. Now I'm here in this cave. God, what are you doing? Verse 2, I, or verse 3, my, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, you knew my path. In the way where I walked, they've hidden a trap for me. Verse 4, look to the right and see, for there's no one who regards me. There's no escape for me. There's no one who cares for my soul. This is really David laying that out. He says, look, I'm overwhelmed. This is too strong for me. They're, they're laying traps for me. Look around, God. There's no escape for me. Saul's got 3,000 soldiers. I'm all alone. There's no one who really cares for my soul. Have you ever been there? God is stripping everything away. And so we come to verses 5 through 7. Verse 5. I cried out to you. Notice it's no longer him. And in verse 2, I poured out my complaint before him. I declare my trouble before him. David is, it, it's more personal. It, it's gone uh, to second person. I cry out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge. I have no refuge. If you're not it, I have nothing. And then he goes on. Uh, you're my portion in the land of the living. 
Verse 6, give heed to my cry. I'm brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. I have no strength. I have no refuge, no portion in life unless it's you. I have no strength unless it's you. And he comes down to verse 7. He says, bring my soul out of prison so that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. Here we have surrender. In the struggle of prayer, David comes to the point of surrender. The priority of God, being obedient to God, doing God's will, God's way. And the sufficiency of God, trusting God to provide what he needs in God's way and God's time. And at that moment, the doorbell rang. I want to share with you <clears throat> a psalm. One of my favorite authors is, <clears throat> is a man by the name of Joe Bailey. Joe Bailey uh, lost uh, uh, a son at 18 days, was born, had to have surgery, died. Then he had a, another son who at five had leukemia and died. And then he had an 18-year-old son who was in a sledding action, accident and died. Um, he has a psalm called the, the Psalm Upon the Death of an 18-Year-Old, but the one I'm going to read to you is uh, a psalm in a hospital corridor. And this kind of reflects where David is. Lord, my heart fears. I know that you have said fear not, but my heart fears. Thoughts flash across the track of my mind. Thoughts of evil, not good. Loss not gain, suffering, not joy. My thoughts are out of control. They exhume the past, bury the future, make the present a heavy, heavy burden. Lord, I cannot control these fears, these thoughts. I cannot look at the future with peace, but I trust you. These fears run wild, Career, careering thoughts of evil, may make it seem that I don't, but I do. I trust you, Lord. I know your thoughts towards me are of good, not evil. I fear evil, not you. Yet fearing wild, I know that even evil from your hand is purest good. I fear, I trust. I trust you, Lord. I trust your wisdom, life-spanning, your love, death-taming, I trust you to know the end of this long beginning moment. And that's where David is. And so God's going to do a work. So turn to 1 Samuel chapter 22. And let's see what, what God's going to do. <clears throat> David's just prayed this. I don't know how long it was. He's there in the cave shouting. You can probably hear the voice, his echo, uh, the, the echo of his voice off, off the walls as he lays out his complaint, as he lays his trouble, as he, he tells God, I have no refuge. God, I have no strength. No one cares for me. And Chapter 22, verse 1, so David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. 
Everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him, and he became a captain over them. Now there were about 400 men with him. You know, when God normally works, he normally uses people. Um, Occasionally, he uses angels, miracles, or other supernatural events, but the testimony of the Bible is that of God using people to do his work. An example of that, Monday morning. I was here walking in the gym early. Barb came to have her exercise class, and uh, she went looking for the TV and the stand, and then she she came in and she said, "Uh uh-oh. I said, what's wrong? She said, well, they moved the... TV in the stand upstairs. And I said, well, we'll carry it down. <clears throat> and so we went up there and we rolled it out, made sure the TV wouldn't come completely loose from the stand. And we were right on the edge of the steps and she was leaning it forward. I was going to catch the TV and we were going to take it down. Barb was playing Barb in, in this scenario. I was playing one of the three stooges. <laughs> and, and literally... The TV's leaning towards me, and we hear this voice saying, would you like some help? And we looked, and one of the workmen was there. And we said, yes, we would. And so we put it right back up. And he took one look at me and said, do you mind if I go get a couple of my guys to help? And I said, no. And when I saw the guy who was on the bottom, because they had to lower it way down to get under that overhang for the... I knew that unless God had done a remarkable thing, if Barb and I had moved that, I would be buying a new TV for the chapel (laughs) and maybe a new stand. God raises up people. Have you ever experienced that? And God raises up people. Um, I was thinking, my thoughts have been kind of off and on this week. I was thinking of of uh, Bilbo Baggins in the beginning of The Hobbit. He's there, he's having a nice life and there's a knock at the door and there's Dwalin the dwarf. And he comes in and he's like, who are you? Why are you here? And before he can find out, there's another knock and there's Bowlin, another dwarf and pretty soon there's 13 dwarfs in his house. What's going on? Gandalf sent him. Sometimes when I travel, people say, how are things up Marlou? I said, well, we've done a lot of growing. They said, where do those people come from? Are you doing a special advertising campaign? Are you on TV? Are you? No. Have you changed anything that things you do? No. Well, where do they come from? And the only thing I can come up with is God sent them. And if you're here, I really do believe God has sent you here. And just like Gandalf sent the dwarfs, there was a purpose. God has a purpose for you being here. Some new ministries have started since people have come here. In the discipleship class, there'll be people who connect that wouldn't have connected otherwise. You may be here to, to learn and, and to sharpen a brother or sister in Christ. You may be here to be equipped to go out to do a ministry. But you're here for a purpose. And we really want you to have that thought. I'm here. God's brought me here. God has a purpose for me being here. And so 
um, David has these people and, and they show up. And you know, they're, um, they're people in danger. That's his family. I mean, if, if Saul was going to kill his own son, Jonathan, and his daughter, Michael, to get at David, certainly he's going to kill David's family. So when they hear David's down in the cave of Adullam, they come down because they're in danger. And then these other uh, people come, uh, people who are distressed. Those, that's a word that means those under pressure, those in debt, those having a number of creditors because Saul's taxes have become uh, hard. And, and then there's those who are discontented. It means to be in bitterness of soul. Those who have been wronged or mistreated. In, in verse 7 of uh, chapter 22, we hear uh, Saul say to his servants, Saul said to his servants who stood around him, Here now, O Benjamites, will the son of Jesse also give all of you fields and vineyards? Will he make you all commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds? Well, all the land in Israel was, was claimed. God had appointed it to families. If he gave land to, to some of his followers, he had to take it from somebody else. And there were people who were being downtrodden. There were people who were being mistreated. And these people start showing up. The desperate, the disillusioned, the discouraged. But God's prepared David to be empathetic. <laughs> David knows what it's like to be in danger. David knows what it's like to be mistreated. David knows what it's like to, to suffer these things. There's a, a understanding of, of these people. And by the way, the, ultimately the cave of Adullam is a wonderful picture of the church and what happens in the church. So if you're here and you're depressed or you're in debt or uh, you're discouraged, you know what? You're just the kind of people the Lord Jesus is looking for. And so uh, David does some things with these people. He begins to, uh, God is developing in David this confidence in God, and it allows him to encourage these others. Um, one more real weird sidetrack. I was thinking this week about NFL football players. NFL football players fall into four categories. There are those who are good enough to play in the NFL. And there are those who are good at what they do. And there are those who are great. And there are, there are those who are exceptional. And the exceptional people raise the play of everybody around them. And as I was thinking about this, I said, um, you know, none of us may be great, but because of the indwelling spirit of God, all of us can be exceptional. We can raise uh, the play of, of all the other believers around us. We can be bridges. I want you to see this. Uh, turn back to 1 Chronicles chapter 11. 1 Chronicles chapter 11 for an example of this. First Chronicles chapter 11 verse 15. Talking about David's mighty men. These people came to David. They're discouraged. They're desperate. They're disillusioned. 
and David's there, and together they become this group, and out of this group comes David's mighty men. And uh, verse 15, it says, Now three of the thirty chief men went down to the rock to David, to the cave of Adullam, while the army of the Philistines was camping in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, while the garrison of the Philistines was in Bethlehem. David had a craving and said, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water from the well of Bethlehem, which was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, David would not drink it, but poured it out before the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me before my God that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of these men who went at risk of their lives? For at risk of their lives they brought it. Therefore, he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. Here are three guys. And they come to David. And they're part of this fellowship of the cave of Adullam. And David encourages them. And they begin, as they work together, to, to raise the, the confidence of these people. To raise the, the abilities. And three guys hear David say, man... The water of Bethlehem, I'm so sick and tired of this water here. The water of Bethlehem, that well was so good. My heart just yearns for some of that. And they said, let's do it. Let's do it. And three of them go off and they fight through a whole garrison of Philistines, get some water, and they bring it back to David. And, and David recognizes what they've sacrificed for him. And he pours out that water as a sacrifice to God. Because of their dedication. And we rally. Not around a David. We rally around the Lord Jesus. And as we're here. And as we're learning of the Lord Jesus. And as we're being together in this fellowship. And as we minister to one another. We have the ability to raise the level of faith. And there will be people here. Who will sense God's. The, the heart of the Lord Jesus. Something that he really desires. And because of this fellowship, because of the, of the fellowship here and the raising of, of our belief in God and what God can do through us, things will happen for the Lord Jesus that are close to his heart. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Isn't that amazing? That's what God wants to do here. And if you're here, you're here with a purpose. You're here with a purpose to, to minister your gift, to raise the level of everyone around to be a part of, of what's done for Christ. And, and David takes these people and he starts off, I can't imagine, 400. And, and if you go over to chapter 23 um, in verse 13, David then and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Kilah. It just keeps growing. 600 people. But God's at work. This is another stage for David, learning to minister to people. He, you know, we learn to trust God for ourselves, but then you get a family, you have to learn to trust God for your family. And God's constantly stretching our trust. And now David has these men under his, his uh, care. Well, David leaves, verse um, 3. 
David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come and stay with you until I know what God will do for me. Then he left them in, with the king of Moab, and they stayed there all the time David was in the stronghold. David took his parents to the king of Moab, uh, back on our map. I'll go back there real quick. He, that means he, he traveled from uh, the cave of Adullam, probably south, and he came over here to Moab. This was real common to, uh, if, if there was two people rivaling, rivals for the throne and one was out of power, for him to go to, a, to an enemy of that country and take refuge there. And, and that country uh, would take them in and try to help them because if he eventually got to the throne, then that king owed um, uh, that country uh, a favor and uh, a favorable response. And so David comes over here to the land of Moab, the, the enemies of Israel. Uh, but that's where his great-grandmother Ruth had come from. And he takes his mom and dad to, to the king of Moab, says, will you take care of them until we decide whether, uh, what God's going to do, how God's going to bring me to the throne. And so they agreed to that. Was it right? No. David, God wants David to trust him. And I, I know it's hard, uh, and I know it's, it's what happens. Uh, Bill McDonald's commentary says there is a very strong tradition that uh, they eventually killed David's mom and dad. Um, it could be that's the reason why in 2 Samuel 8, when David conquered Moab, he divided the people into three groups and slaughtered two of them. Um, but... Uh, so he's there, and then he's at the stronghold. And, and one of the big questions that commentators have is, which stronghold are they talking about? Was it, uh, and there are three possibilities, a stronghold here in Moab somewhere in the mountains of Moab that David could come and get access to, especially uh, southern uh, Israel. Uh, some predict it, or say it was Masada, where, where King uh, Herod later would fortify it, and it was the, the last place the Jews held out against the Romans uh, when they rebelled in the, shortly after the time of Christ in 70 AD? Or was it the cave of Adullam? And to tell you the truth, I'm pretty sure it's not Adullam because uh, Gad's going to come and say, get back into, into the land of Israel. And so it's, it's probably, uh, there's a, Good likelihood it could have been in Moab or, or it could have been at Masada. But, but David chooses uh, to, to be in this stronghold. Um, and look at verse 5. Then the prophet Gad came to David and said, Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart. Go into the land of Judah. God wanted David uh, to live by faith. And God can provide and protect. And, and I want you to see there's this spiritual battle going on in David's life. Um, David, once again, is tempted to take the easy route to get out of. He knows that Saul knows if he's, he, if he's out of Israel, if he was down Gath, if he's over in Moab, uh, Saul's not going to pursue him because Saul knows that, that David is is basically disqualifying himself. One, 
One author said uh, Gad came and spoke to him so that he would not be estranged from the people of Israel, which would have been opposed to his calling to be king of Israel, and so that he might learn to entirely trust in the Lord as his only refuge and fortress. David is, is risking disqualifying himself. Why would we want David to be our king? He was with the, the Philistines, or he was with the Moabites. He, he was under their uh, protection. And no, God says, I want you. Um, and so Gad said to him, go in the land of Judah. So David departed, and he went to the forest of Hethereth, right, which is right in here. Why? Because God wants David in front of the people of Israel. He wants them to see him protecting the people of Israel. Next week we'll see him. Uh, the Philistines are constantly coming up into this area called the Shephelah, which was hills with a lot of nice valleys that could be harvested. And the Philistines and and the Israelites were always fighting over those valleys. And so when the Israelites would get a, a, a foothold in there, the Philistines would come up and try to drive them off. And David is going to come and defend those people. And he wants David to have this role. He's going to be king. It's his role to protect the people of Israel. He wants them up in the land of Israel before the people, protecting the, the people of Israel, and to cause him to be trusting God, to learn this this truth of trusting God. You know, faith does not know everything. It's gonna, how everything's going to work out. And it doesn't know how needs will be met. Faith is obedience to God, trusting that God will work everything out and provide for the needs in his time and in his way. And every step of the journey stretches our view of God. So God brings people to him. And the last two people are Gad and Abiathar that we want to touch on. Um, yeah. Gad was, is described here as a prophet. Some think he was sent by Samuel to David. Uh, Samuel 19.20 speaks of a company of prophets with Samuel that he presided over, uh, probably like the schools of the prophets during the time of Elijah and Elisha. He's referred to as David's seer in 1 Chronicles 21.9. Seer is another word for prophet. Um, and uh, while we're not sure whether Gad stayed at this time with David, um, the Bible does indicate that he uh, was an advisor to David. And along with Samuel and Nathan the prophet, he wrote a book about David's life. And so God brings this man, Gad, into David's life. He's going to have a long-term impact on David's life. He'll, he'll be there very important at the, towards the end of David's life. Um, and then he brings this man, Abiathar. Uh, Abiathar was the grandson of the priest of Ahimelech, who escaped from the massacre of the priest of Nob by, by Saul, as, as uh, Gabe shared last week. And he's going to play an important role throughout David's life. Several times when David is wanting a decision, he calls for Abiathar to bring the ephod so he can ask God a question. And God gives David specific directions. Um, later, Abiathar will uh, rebel uh, against Solomon with Adonijah. And because of his loyalty to David... Solomon doesn't execute him, but removes him from his office of high priest. 
fulfilling God's judgment on the house of Eli because Abiathar was from the house of Eli and God said that day's going to come when you're going to be stripped of your right to be high priest. And so God keeps his promises. God works uh, to do these things. Well, real quickly, what lessons? The priority and sufficiency of God. What did Jesus say? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. The verse before that, he says, for your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. The Lord Jesus calls us to the priority and sufficiency of God. We have to learn that lesson. And God is willing to do whatever it takes to teach us that lesson. That we might know that he's our refuge, our strength. Secondly, the necessity of faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so God says, here's what it is. It's faith. So you're going to have to step out when you don't see how it's going to work out. When you don't see how how the needs are going to meet there. But you're trusting God. It's obedience to what God has called us to do. Trusting him to supply. And then there's the challenge and reward of being God's people. You know, without being with those 400 and later 600 men, David would not have been the man God wanted him to be. Um, And they wouldn't have been the people they came without him. And the truth is, nobody in this room will be the person God wants you to be if you're all by yourself. We need everybody that God calls to this place to minister in each way, to be a bridge so that the people around us go farther in and higher up in, in their life with God. And as we do that, they become bridges for us. God has some things close to the heart of the Lord Jesus. And there are people in this room that God can use to do that. And that's why he's called us to our own little man cave of Adullam. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you've brought people into our lives who have helped us. And you're trying to equip us to become people who who help others. But behind it all, is our great captain, the Lord Jesus Christ, who went through what he went through so that when we come to him, we know with confidence he knows exactly how we're feeling, what we're facing. And he is a resource for us. Lord, help us uh, to be stretched. Help us to see needs around us. Help us to um, trust you to use us to meet those needs. May we be a place where the very um, heart of the Lord Jesus is is being accomplished because we ask it in Christ's own precious name. Amen.